welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. You know, when teaching's your passion, like I'm, you're always thinking in messages and your mind can go this way and this way, and we don't want to do just what I think is good. We want to we hear from the Lord, and I just want to be a vessel for Him this morning to speak into your life. So, Heavenly Father, I ask you to use me, think through my mind, speak through my lips. Um, I submit myself to you, asking that you minister not only to myself, uh, but minister through me to the people. Um, we're here to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. He's the Savior. He is the answer. He's the solution to our sin problem. He's the one that connects us to the source of life. He's the only way to the Father. And we can still hear your voice. We can have an intimate relationship with you. We can get answers from you, solutions. You want our lives to improve. doesn't mean we won't, won't walk through challenges, but you want to equip us with every good thing, every good weapon, so that we can overcome and give the testimony in this life. So help us this morning to walk out of here uh, knowing more about you, uh, being, being closer to you. But we ask for truth. Guide us into truth, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You know, there's people all over the country today waking up feeling like they have to go to church. And it's, it's sad, you know, oh, I, yeah, what are you doing? I have to, got to go to church. Friend, we get to do this. Like, we get to. Like, what a privilege and an honor that we get to come here. Uh, God didn't have to send Jesus. He could have started with a whole, you know, they all disobeyed me. I'll just burn that earth up and I'll start again. But we were so valuable. He could. I, again, I don't know theologically if this is accurate, so don't take it if you don't like it. But I believe if he wanted to, he could have chose the trees over us. I believe if he wanted to, he could have chosen all the animals, but he chose you and I. And I was thinking about this morning as you know, I was getting ready. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's our identity in Christ. And the world is really right now diminishing sin. And we, I, don't, I don't preach sin, I preach righteousness. It doesn't mean you should go sin. But you've got to think about how serious sin is. It murdered someone. Like, sin is what put Jesus on the cross. Like, we ought not look lightly at sin and take it like it's not a serious thing. It is a very serious thing, and it deserved the death penalty. But we can be thankful that's what we deserved, but we don't have to have that anymore. And when you realize that, that begins to cause you to have such a reverence for Jesus. What he did, he could have just... Remember when he was in the garden, he had a separate will than the Father. So take this cup from me. But he submitted to the will of the Father for the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? That he could have you and me back. That is the only thing God cares. God can create, friend, God can create anything he wants. He could have created a brand new planet, a whole new group of people, but you, were, you and I were so valuable that he's like, I'm not, I'm not giving up on them. And that really humbles us. So we get to be here. We get to be in the presence of God. We get to be the chosen and the elect. And anyone can be a part. It's an open invitation. Um, you know, I imagine prearranged marriages can be awkward. Do you, do you think they could be awkward? And um, I think there's going to be, because it's, you know, it's like you're just meeting this person. And now you're going to be around them all the time. 
I don't want to be one of those people that gets to heaven because we only get to heaven one way, right? We don't get to heaven based on our works. We get to heaven by calling upon the name of Jesus. I believe there's a whole group of people out there that have sincerely called upon the name of Jesus but have never developed relationship with him. I don't want to be one of those people when I step into eternity someday. It's like, oh, hey, Savior. <laughs> like It's like almost like, again, you're saved because you, you, you genuinely called upon him and asked him to save you, but you developed no relationship. Yeah. And it's like this awkward, like, I guess I got to get to know you. Now, man, I want to pick up right where we left off. It was like see, seeing Micah when we, it was like we just picked up right off where we were on the phone, just gave him a hug. That should be like that for you too. Like it, sh- it shouldn't be that someday when you see Jesus, it's kind of awkward and go, oh, well, let's get to know each other now. You ever, you ever just see someone you hadn't seen after five years and it's like you, it's like, it's like you hadn't been apart? That's how I want it to be with the Lord. It's like, man, we've been talking every day. We've been hanging out. We've been getting to know each other. And now we just stepped in. Now we actually get to see each other. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who had this testimony. Like Enoch, he walked with God. And, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> it's a joke because I'm still young. <laughs> no, but really, what, you think about when you're in your 20s, like, I still want to be successful, but it's different now. Like, I want to be successful for the Lord. Back then, it's like, you, oh, I want to be successful. Danny, I know you're like, I want to be successful. I want to be successful. And there is a desire there that's godly, but now it's like, yeah, you want to speak in front of the big crowds and you want to do the big conferences, but more and more, it's like, I just want to walk with God. Like, I just, and the more you do that, the more doors are going to open up, but you realize which one comes first. I, I want to walk with God. I don't know about you, but like, I want to I want to know him and be known by him. And uh, I don't want to be known for what I did when I get to heaven. I just want to be known. Like I don't even want to be known as a good preacher. Like I want to be known as someone who knows God and God knows them. And now, in result of that, I hope I'd be a good preacher because you'd learn some things. In 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 result of that, I hope I'd be a good dad. In result of that, I'd hope I'd be a good friend, a good husband. But really, what's been pressing on me is like I want to know Jesus. I'm 33. I got saved when I was 10 years old, so I've been saved you know, 23 years, but it's like, I realize there's just always another level. There's always another step, and this Christian walk isn't typically a lot of big leaps and bounds, and you look back, it's a bunch of small steps. It's getting introduced to Myron and Karen. It's getting introduced to Keith Moore. It's getting introduced to Elijah. It's, it's all these little steps that add up, and you look back, and you go, man, God, you've been so faithful. And I'm a testimony of, you, friend, you do not have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. I want to be close to God. I guess that's what I'd say. I want, I want to be close to God. So, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to start with a couple headlines from articles that I've seen recently from the Christian Post. Because I think there's a lot of people that, again, it's not my job to figure out whether a person is a person is saved or not. I can't figure out if a person meant it in their heart or not. That's not my job. But I do want to push people closer to the Lord, and this stuff makes me makes me sad because when you love when you love Jesus, you hurt from what hurts Him. Friend, we aren't mad at the world; we're not mad at people like Jesus loves them. So we're we're hurt by them hurting themselves. We're hurt by them not in, wanting to be in relationship with the Lord. Listen to a couple of these titles right now. These are all from the ChristianPost.com. This was the title of one article. More than half of U.S. adults, 30% of evangelicals, believe Jesus isn't God. Isn't that, isn't that sad? 
It goes on to say in the article that it says 65% of evangelicals, again, people who claim to be, again, not my job to figure out if people are lost or saved. I'm just, 65% of evangelicals agree with the statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 65% of evangelicals that were surveyed. Doesn't that make you sad? That people, just like you're saying, people don't know this anymore. Like, as I was sitting here, you know, God has left things hidden in plain sight. By his stripes, you... How are people still arguing about that all over the planet? I did not feel well yesterday. But that doesn't change my theology. It doesn't change God. Let God be true, but every man a liar. It, it, everything is hidden here in plain sight. Wow, Jesus didn't claim to be God. The Father and I are one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. Like, you, you, it's, 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 just, it's hidden in plain sight. Okay. Next, next article, this is another title. Over a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven. Isn't that sad? That's senior pastors. Senior le- people leading churches right now, 30% that were surveyed. And this isn't like a judgmental, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying we have to have the truth of wor- the word in our heart. You have to have this word hidden in your heart. Over a third believe good people. I'm saying there are. Jesus said, "Who's good? Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. There are no good people. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way we can even be good or righteous is by receiving a good Savior. Our goodness does not come from ourselves. Our goodness comes from Him in us and us in Him. The next article: sixty percent of adults under forty say Jesus isn't." the only way to heaven, equal to Buddha and Muhammad. That's sad. Again, hidden in plain sight. I am the way, I am the... How, how, how do you mistranslate that? There is no way to the Father except through me. It's, it's hidden in plain sight. And as Pastor Micah said, if Jesus is your Lord, this is your guidebook. Yeah. You, and you're like, oh, you're saying I have to believe the Bible? No, nope. you don't. You don't have to. You, 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 you can. You can choose to. I set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Now you choose. But if you're choosing Jesus, this is like this is the manual that he said you are to believe. And even people that want to throw out the Old Testament, what did Jesus do with the Old Testament? He quoted it, giving it value. Right. This, this has to be your guidebook. If Jesus is your Lord, this is it or you have no foundation. In that article, it says more than 60%, again, we don't know the truth on this or not, but it says more than 60% of born-again Christians in America believe, between the ages of 18 and 39, believe that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. And over 30% say they either believe Jesus sinned, that's heresy. They believe Jesus sinned just like any other when he lived here on earth or they're not sure. Isn't that sad? proclaiming evangelicals, proclaiming Christians, 60% are saying that, ah, Buddha, Muhammad, and this isn't a bash on them either. I I heard uh, a video about two, three years ago from the Pope coming out, and it was a video to all faiths, and at the end of it, he goes, this is one thing we know, that we're all the children of God. That ain't true. In the Bible, in 1 John, it says, this is how we know who the children of God and the children of the devil are. Um, Anyone can be a child of God. How do we do that? It is a gift. Anyone, we're given the right. Anyone that believes on His name. So we don't think we're in some exclusive club. We actually, Christianity is very—it's—it's—it's it's the epitome of humility, and it's saying I'm not good enough. Religion is the one that says, "Well, we're good enough if we just do enough," and that—that's actually false humility. We've actually humbled ourselves to say, "There's no way we could get there." 
We can't do enough. We, we, we can't earn it. We, we cannot get to God. We could build a tower. Nothing will be good enough. We can't give enough money. We can't pray enough. We can't do enough. Our response, we understand we do and our works don't earn salvation, but we do and we work because we've been loved. Like everything I do comes out of response that he already loves me, not to get him to, to love me. I go to church because he loves me. I don't go to church because well, God's going to love me this week. And no, I go because he, he already, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So I just wanted to share those articles because I think for those of us that are around good church people, we don't realize what's going on out there. I know for me when I read that, I'm like, nah, because we, we were at a great church around a lot of great people, and you don't realize how many people are being lied to right now and how much false just junk is out there. And we need to be willing to stand up and say, Jesus, Jesus was sinless. Jesus is the only way. If he wasn't the only way, why, would he even, why did he have to waste his time and die that brutal death? It was pointless. Why, why, why would the Father, who's supposed to be good, put him through that if there were other ways? It just doesn't make sense. So we see people are falling away for, from Jesus. And again, not my job to judge, but maybe we would say that they never knew him. And I used to read the scripture, I don't know about you guys, I used to read the scripture where Jesus looked at a group of people and said, depart from me, I never knew you. And you'd almost read that with a fear of like, is that going to be me? I can tell you this, if you're pursuing him, you don't have to worry about that. These group of people, when he tells them that, it's not going to be a surprise to them. They tried to do things in his name, but they had no relationship with him. So here's all I want to teach you today. It's super simple, but it's something that God's really been dealing with me on. And I think it's, it's just, I like to leave you with something practical that you can walk out and it can increase your relationship with the Lord. I don't want to talk so way up here that you leave and go, wow, he knew a lot of big words, but it didn't help me. <laughs> So my hope is that I can give you something in your Christian tool, bait, tool, tool belt and you can just put it in your pocket and you can use it and it'll go out there and it'll make an actual difference in your life. So here's what it is. Don't let it be too simple. And if you're already, so it's, this is going to help you stay out of trouble. And if you're already in trouble, it'll work there too. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Sometimes a word can, don't ever let a word be too simple for you. And this is what I'm telling you for the last two years, honey, how many times have I quoted Proverbs 3, 6? I mean, how many times, like, it's such a, people got it on their wall, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, all your ways. People know it, and they don't even go to church. But God, for the last two years, I feel like, has really been pushing me to the scripture to, let's, let's just read it, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The NLT says it like this. I really like this. It says, he will show you which path to take. There's only one way to get it right every time. That's to acknowledge him. God has never, we've never acknowledged him and done what he said and ended up in a mess still. Only one way to get it right every time, and that's to acknowledge him. So here's what I want you to take from today. If this is all you get, this is it. Lord, I acknowledge you. Yeah, and you already did it for us. Lord, I acknowledge you. It like, don't let this be too simple. So here's what I want you to take from today. Lord, I acknowledge you. How many unnecessary problems would this help us avoid? Now, sadly, I, I'm, I am a preacher, and I've been born again for 23 years, doing my best to follow the Lord, and I still miss it. <laughs> it don't matter how long, like, it's still, it's, it, it's because it's a willing decision every day. It's not like, well, I've acknowledged the Lord for the last 10 years, so now here we are today. It's acknowledge the Lord, okay, in how many of your ways? 
in what does that even look like? Because none of us are doing that. <laughs> I just, just, and I'm not even like, that isn't, that's saying we can always go to another level. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In all the important matters of your life, acknowledge him. In all the little things, acknowledge him. In the relationship problems, in the money problems, in the job problems, in the church problems, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And then what, what's his part? And he, and he, what will he do? I got to ask you a question. Which one happens first? Which Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone does what? Who do, if he opens, I'll come in and I'll have a meal with him. Who decides if the Lord comes and has a meal with you? Is it him or you? He's acknowledging that he wants to be involved by knocking on the door, but he, you are the one that decides how much the Lord gets involved in your life. That's a humbling thing. Like you are the you are the decider. He will he will he will sit in the front seat of your life because he does not control and manipulate you. Even though you give your life to him, he still lets you take the wheel. But he sits there and he'll guide you because he's the helper. He's not the controller. But he will let you take rights and lefts all day long and not command you and tell you where to go. And I just imagine, Lord, so many times for me, he loves me. He wants to help me, but just sitting there going, I'm available if you'd ask me. Okay, you want to take a right. You didn't ask me, but that and and it's not like he's see some people are like oh he's just trying to be harsh or just no I as I've grown in my relationship with my dad I love my dad I have a great relationship with my dad but when I was younger my dad would give me his opinion and I didn't want it <laughs> anybody ever been there yeah. now that we've grown my dad has learned to step out and wait for me to ask for his opinion and he will I mean he probably wouldn't let me do this but I think he's doing his best too. He would stand there and let me ruin my car if I never acknowledged him. That, the father, he, he wants to get involved in your life, but he, he will just let you go. He will let you go. And the proof is that he let Adam take a bite of that apple. If God was really just going to control and manipulate us, why, why didn't he slap the, If sin is so bad and he hates it so bad and he knew this was going to separate us, why didn't he slap the apple out of, or whatever it was, slap the, the forbidden fruit out of Adam's hand? Why didn't he do it? Because we see in that the love of God gives complete and utter free will even in our destruction. So, because we are imperfect people and we do not know everything and we are connected to the source, there still is the ability of every day submitting my will and saying, I acknowledge you. When you say, I acknowledge you, you're submitting yourself to him saying, I want you involved, come in. And we know it's his desire to help us because he said if that we'd acknowledge him, he would show us which path to take. So again, which one comes first? He shows you which path to take or you acknowledge him. Okay. You got that part. Good. So again, here's what I want you to take from today. Lord, I acknowledge you. <clears throat> this will help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord rather than leaning on your own understanding and your own strength until you need him. And we've all been there. That's a lot of times that's where our relationship actually starts. We do, 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 do. We do it and we get in a relationship or we do this and then life sucks. And now we turn to him because were miserable. I mean, you know, for me, it was it was early relationships that he probably never would have told me to get in, but I'd get miserable and it'd be terrible. And now I turn to him. But really, if I would have turned to him before, he would have said, don't date that person. Yeah. But because I was a baby, I had to learn the hard way. So really, the picture for his, what he wants for you is learn to acknowledge him before the problems happen. I don't mean you're not going to walk through trouble, but but we overcome all trouble. Amen? And it's sad how many Christians focus in that Bible verse. They focus more on you know, you're going to have trouble, then take heart, I've overcome it. 
too many people, like with Peter on the water, too many people are focused on the wind and the waves more than the Savior who's walking on the waves. So don't focus so much on the trouble. Focus on the overcoming part. So don't be one of those people. And if, hey, if you're there, if you're in a mess today, the Lord's so, I mean, he's so good. He could easily have been like, well, Peter, you took your eyes off me. Have fun. You made your bed. Like, he's so much more compassionate than me. There's some people that came to me in the church, and they'd like, they'd mess up their life. Okay, yeah, just stay over there then. You didn't listen to me the first time. (laughs) But learning to, the Lord is so merciful that even when you make a mess of your life, it's like the prodigal son. Think about it. That's such a beautiful picture of the father. The prodigal son did not not acknowledge the father. He didn't say, what would your opinion be, dad? Do you think I should go out? Just whatever, give me my inheritance, I'm gone. And the father didn't try and control him, didn't try and manipulate him, didn't, didn't chase him down. He let him go. The father did not put him in the pig pen. The father did not cause him to all do all that. But finally, when he came to himself, this is, this is just a picture of repentance. When you finally come to yourself and you repent and you turn, which he, what did he do? He came to himself and he turned back to the father. That's all repentance is. It's coming to yourself saying, I caused this mess. And I'm turning back to you. This was all, this was my own doing. And you know, God really can't help you until you're willing to own, until you're willing to own it. Because if it's all just him, then how can he get involved? Because you haven't humbled yourself. And it's the humble that get the grace. And you need grace to overcome. So my challenge to you is start acknowledging before. I wish I would have learned this. And you don't have to overthink it. It is this, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you. Again, one thing that has helped me, God does not need you to be perfect. He just needs you to get him involved. I did not know this when I was younger. I would just get in a relationship or I would just do something. And Jesus was my Lord, but I didn't didn't get him involved. And he's just standing over there going, Dustin, you didn't even ask me. And this is not going to feel good. And I'll be here for you when you turn to me later. But you could have turned to me before and avoided all these unnecessary problems. So with that, I want to encourage you, don't assume. Don't assume. How do you know if you're supposed to walk on the storm or rebuke the storm? Okay, I'm going to read a couple stories. You can go to John 6 with me if you'd like. We're going to read these actually. We're actually going to open the book and read these. So you can go to John 6. All right, John 6, uh, verses 15 through 21. I'll give you just a second to get there. John 6, 15 through 21. <clears throat> it says, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king... You talk about humility, man. Like they just want to make him king, and he like they want to make him king, and he still is like, no, like this is not what I'm about. Like the humility of Jesus. So they are come to make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. I love that alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum. It was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose with a great wind and blowing. Okay, that's, that's a storm. Okay, you know, if you get a lot of wind on the water, you're starting to get a storm. It says there was a great wind. And we know that when the Bible uses great, it's not. It's one thing for it to say there's a wind, but to say there's a great wind. Just like if there's a multitude, what, 4,000? A great multitude is like 40,000. So there's a great wind, and the wind's blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Quick side note on that. Um, how cool would that be? Is when, I, when, I, when I headed to Missouri, I was just there. It was a 10-hour drive, and it was long, but it's like, that would be cool. Get in, turn the key, and immediately they're, at, immediately they're at, in Hollister. That would be awesome. So here's what I want you to notice. 
nowhere here are we told that Jesus rebuked the storm. Because we know if Jesus rebuked the storm, it, it would have ceased, right? So you notice he was walking on the great wind and the waves. Okay, so I'm, we're going to compare this to another story. So you can hold your place there. I don't know if we'll come back, but you can hold your place. Now go to uh, Mark 4 with me. Again, very well-known story. And as you're going there, so go to Mark 4. Here's, here's what I'm showing you, like acknowledging him, not assuming. Right. Acknowledging him. How many times do we just start walking on, start walking, because that's what we did last time, and we're going to do that. We start walking on the water, and then we sink, and well, we don't know why God. That's how people end up with bad theology. Well, God doesn't, doesn't cause you to succeed every time. You know, sometimes you got to fall. Did you acknowledge him before? Well, you know, we walked on the storm last time. Okay, Mark 4, uh, verses 35 through 41. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. Another storm, right? Great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, and he went out and walked on the storm. What did he do? He, he went up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So if the wind and the sea obey him, why in this other chapter is there nothing recorded? It, it doesn't even say that he got in the boat and told it to calm down. So here's what I wanted you to notice with that. It, the, the, the walk of faith is not... A, a recipe book. Like, now I know how to speak to the mountain. Do you have authority to speak to the mountain? Absolutely. But go out to Mount Everest right now and tell it to go into the Pacific and see how that goes. Well, I have authority to speak to the mountains. You only have authority to speak to the mountains the Lord told you to speak to. So all of this comes in context of relationship, of knowing, knowing the Lord. This is why right before in John 6, it says, Therefore Jesus perceived they were about to do something. It says he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. What's he doing there? Acknowledging, acknowledging the Father. Acknowledging that I need answers. Acknowledging Him. He didn't just go, well, I rebuked the last storm, so I think that's what we'll do this time. And that's how you fail. So every situation requires a fresh, I acknowledge you. So how do you know if you're supposed to walk on the storm or rebuke the storm? How do we know? Which one do we do? Whatever the Lord tells us to do. Now, can you, again, now can you speak to the mountains? Absolutely. Do you have authority to speak to mountains and tell them to move? Yes and no. And I already said, but you, if you go out to a big, big mountain right now, go down to the Ozarks and start telling those to go into, is there a Lake Branson anywhere? Table Rock Lake. Table Rock Lake. Okay, you say Ozark Mountains go into Table Rock Lake. Now, if the Lord tells you to, you, there should be some evidence. It should happen, but I'm going to guess that nothing's going to happen. <laughs> But you could be quoting scripture all day. You must understand that this thing here, this is our foundation, and you understand that God's never going to speak to us anything outside of this. But this doesn't tell you who to marry. This doesn't tell you what house to buy. This is the foundation of our relationship with the Lord, and anything further comes out of this and shouldn't contend against this. I love what Brother Keith taught years ago. It really changed my life, and I felt like when he said it, it was a word for me. I was one of those guys that when I was really getting close to the Lord in my 20s that I'd go out under the stars and, you know, Lord, talk to me. Lord, talk to me. 
And then I heard Brother Keith's story that really changed my life. He said he was having one of those seasons. Lord, talk to me. Lord, talk to me. And he pointed at me and said, go to the book, find out what I already said, and if I have to tell you anything else, I will. So this is your foundation. Sometimes we feel like we have to squeeze God to get him to talk to us. And I want you to know you don't have to. When you need it, he'll get it to you. That's where you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Like, if I need something, he'll get it to me. You don't have to squeeze him. When you need the answer, he'll tell you. When you need to know where the fish is and where the nets, he'll tell you. That's where the trust, you don't need to get all worked up. When he needs to get it to you, he'll get it to you. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I was guilty years years ago um, when I was learning power of my words. I used to say things like, I just don't know. I, I would just, I would say, I don't know so much. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just can't hear from God. I don't, I just can't. We know that the tongue is like a, come on, is like a steering wheel. It's like a rudder and it directs your life. The more you talk about how you can't hear from God or you don't hear from God, is it going to get any easier? Nope. So we have to, by faith, start saying the word, I'm his sheep and I hear his voice. I don't care if you've gone three years without feeling like, feeling like again, feelings are not our truth. The truth is that I'm his sheep, I know his voice, and it may have been three years since I felt like I've heard him, but I'm his sheep and I know his voice. So, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Don't you ever say that you can't hear from God. Because you are coming into agreement with the lie, you're, ge- you're giving power to that lie to take heart or take root in your heart, and it's not the truth. Remember Jesus said, I only do what the Father says. So why did he walk on one storm and rebuke the other one the father must have told him two different things in those situations even though he could have had a doctrine that we walk on water here well not not this one this one you rebuke i said it but to have authority you must be submitted to authority right (laughs) so again this is going to help you let's just do it right now just whatever you're walking through in life i just want you to close your eyes Whatever the situation, think about the situation. It might be you want, it could be the littlest thing, because as a parent, don't you care about when your kid's toy breaks, it's a $2 toy? You care, he cares about the littlest things to the biggest things. So all, we're just going to practice this right now. Just acknowledge him. It's really not that hard. I think religion wants to make it so hard. You got you know, you to pray for 10 hours and you got to get in your prayer closet. And you could literally take one step aside from a conversation you're having and just say, Lord, I acknowledge you. You're in a business meeting. Step out real quick, go to the bathroom. Lord, I acknowledge you. Now, is there time for spending an hour with the Lord? Yes, but sometimes we don't have that. So just step in your car. Lord, I acknowledge you. So think about anything you're walking through right now that it may be something you don't think you need him involved in. That's how you missed it, by the way, when you assume. But just say, Lord, I acknowledge you. Lord, I acknowledge you in my marriage. Help me. Help me, Lord. Lord, I acknowledge you in my finances. Show me what to do with everything that's going on right now. Lord, I acknowledge you in traveling. Lord, I acknowledge you in my friendships. Lord, I acknowledge you. Show us what to do. We, we want you involved. And that right there, friend, is just opening the door. All you got to do is open the door. From there, you just got to open the door. Don't let this be too simple for you. If we all admit it, there are all days we go through so much and we never invite the Lord in. I've been there. You've, you've gone through a day and not invited Him in. It doesn't mean you don't love Him. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you went through a day and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't even get you involved. I didn't ask your opinion. What are you doing? Imagine five people are sitting at a table and four of them are doing all the talking, but one of them has all the wisdom. 
And this fifth one just sits there the whole day and the other four just walk away and get no help. What is this wise one waiting for? He's waiting for someone at the table to go, hey, what are your thoughts? What do you think? And that's all the Lord's looking for you to do. He's sitting there just waiting for you to acknowledge him. Let me give you another quick example. You can go to 1 Chronicles if you want with me. 1 Chronicles 14. All right, 1 Chronicles 14, verses 8 through 17. We'll read this together. It says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. That right, if you want, you know, I don't tell people what to underline because I like, like the Lord let you, but that's something good to underline right there. He, what did he do? He didn't assume, he didn't go, hey, I'm the king, man. I, I got all these armies. I got the strength. I got the gold. I got the wealth. I got the girls. I got it all. I'm just going to make this happen. What did he do? He humbled himself and he, he inquired. All that means is what did he do? He acknowledged the Lord. Okay. David inquired of the God, shall I, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? He did not assume. The Lord answered him and what did he say? Go. Go, I will deliver them into your hands. So good. So David, verse 11, So David and his men went up to Baal-perizim, Perizim, whatever that is, and there he defeated them and said, As waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand, so that the place was called Baal-perizim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Okay. Now verse 13, once more, the Philistines raided the valley. Hey, we've been here, David. I've been here before. We know what to do. We just go take them out again, right? Just, we know what we did last time. It worked. Let's go make it happen again. David didn't do everything right, but he did this right. So David, what did he do? He inquired of God. He acknowledged him. He did not assume, hey, I've got the theology. When we go to the Philistines, we win. We've got, we've got the no, he goes, he goes back to the Lord and says, I acknowledge you. And what did God say? God answered him and said, do not go. First time he says go, how, how do you get it right every time? Acknowledge him. Do not go directly after them, but circle around them. I said this down at Spirit Wind. God's a God of wisdom and he's a God of tactic. He knows exactly how to strategically help you get through what you're, what you're in right now. Don't lean on your own strength and your own understanding. So do not go directly after them, but circle around them and attack them in the front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded. That's another big thing right there. Do what the Lord says. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gazar. So David's fame spread throughout the land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. So what's the answer? Go or do not go? The answer is acknowledge him and he'll, he'll show you which path to take. He'll tell you what to do. And if, if you've ever acknowledged him and you don't feel like you have an answer, don't move. But what I would say is let's say you had something come up that you had to move. Overall, if you don't feel like the Lord told you to move, don't move. But let's say you have something pressing. Like I step up here, I've got to preach, right? Do what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do. You don't know, at least this has been this way for me. There's been a lot of times that I've stepped out on, I feel like this is God. It seems good. It seems, sometimes God will ask you, have you use your seamer. 
It, se- it, se- it just it seems like it's God. It seems right. And guess what? If you miss it, God will be there to pick you up. Another one I love from Brother Keith. I'd rather step out and fall flat on my face and miss God than stay home too afraid to move. So let's be people who at least try, do our best, and how you can at least start to get it right almost every time is acknowledge Him before you go. And then the next thing, when, when, when success happens, because it's going to, when you acknowledge Him and do what He says, success is going to happen, now be smart and give Him the credit. Yeah. Because it's good, it can be tempting to, you know, I just, I just know what to do. I'm always, you know, I just get it right, you know. I just, be careful not to take the credit. Okay, verse 10 says go. What if David assumed in verse 14 where God said do not go? And if David could hear the voice of God in an old covenant, how much more can we in a new and better covenant? We have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. He didn't even have that. How much more can we hear and be in, in connection? than a new and better covenant. The Bible is your foundation. God will never speak and disagree with this, but I told you this often doesn't tell you who to marry, where to go to church, where to work, and what house to move into. And if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have access to God. The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. But don't be someone that only goes when you have problems. Don't be that person. God will still love you, but you won't walk in all he has for you. So, Lord... I acknowledge you when you wake up. Lord, I, 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 I do not do it every day, but I'm trying to, before my feet hit the ground, just go, Lord, I acknowledge you. It's just, Lord, I acknowledge you. And what I'm doing is I'm humbling myself to say, I want you involved in my day. I'm not trying to do it out of religious routine. I'm trying to do it in my car more often. There's a dangerous world out there. Satan's always trying to set up schemes and traps and all those things. I'm trying to do better at when I step into that car, Lord, I acknowledge you. If you need me to go right, show me where to go right. If you need me to go left, tell me where to go left. <clears throat> it's one thing to invite someone to a party. It's another thing to give that person your attention. Many people have invited Jesus to the party, but they're, they're, it's one thing to sit there like Martha and Mary. One, he was at the party, she was around him, but it's another to be like this and say, I'm acknowledging you and I want to do it your way. My goal is to push you closer to the Savior, to push you to the one that has every answer for your life. We first invite him in. We first call upon the name of Jesus to save us and be right with God. But then when we are right with God, we need to learn to acknowledge him. And that's a daily routine and a daily practice we could learn. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you. And then as soon as I'm done praying for you, I want to invite Pastor Mike up and he can close how he feels necessary. I don't know if the worship team yet comes behind me. They can. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. I know we kind of did it before. The Lord wants to be involved more than you want him to be involved. And one thing that helped me when I was younger and, you know, I was single, and one thing that really gave me a lot of peace is when I realized the Lord wanted me to be married more than I wanted to be married. The Lord wants you to have a house more than you want to have a house. He wants you to have a good job more than you want to have a good job. And when we feel like we have to do it, we start pressing. So I want to encourage you, just acknowledge him. You don't have to worry about making it happen. You don't have to worry about figuring out the plan. You just need access, which you have it, access to the one who has the plan, and then you need to ask for the plan. So I just wanted to take a moment and give us an opportunity to just practice what we heard this morning. And if you've never called upon the name of Jesus, I don't, I don't want to ever assume. I never want to leave a place and not give the opportunity. So I'm going to lead you in two quick prayers, and then we're just going to take a moment and be quiet with a little, little uh, music behind us. So first, would everyone pray this with me out loud? Um, the Bible says that Jesus came and died for us. We, we've all, we all had sinned, and we have need of a Savior. And all who call upon Jesus will be saved 
and Jesus is the only way to the Father. So can we all just pray this out loud, either acknowledging our faith for the first time or re-acknowledging our faith in Jesus. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need of a Savior. My sins separated me from you. Jesus died for me. He paid the price for me. So I could have a relationship with my Creator. So I acknowledge you and I acknowledge my need of a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And now just acknowledge Him in whatever you're in right now. Maybe you're trying to figure out where to invest something or you're trying to figure out you have a relationship, you don't know what to do with it. Or you're thinking about selling a house or buying a house or I don't know what it is or start a new job. Whatever it is, I don't know the answer. Now, he may tell me the answer and tell me to tell you, but he does have the answer. And if I can get you closer to him, just like that group of men that, that put that paralytic before Jesus, they lowered him to the one that had the answer. That's all I'm trying to do right now. Just lower you to the one that has the answer. So just in your heart, out of your words, just say, Lord, I acknowledge you. Jesus, we want answers, and we acknowledge you of the answers. And actually, Lord, I just felt something on my heart here. We know you're a God of answers, but before we want answers, we want you. So, Lord, I want to make sure we get our priorities right. We want you first. We don't just want answers. We want you. But we acknowledge you have the answers, and we acknowledge you want to help us, so we acknowledge you. Jesus, may you become more real today to us than you were yesterday. Heavenly Father, I pray over the people as I close, thanking you that you're a good God, you're a good Savior, you have good plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to give us a hope and a future. But in that, may we never be too focused on the plans, but uh, our relationship with Jesus. I know I'm challenged with this often, Lord, that I'm a visionary. I see big things. I want to do big things. But at times I need to step back and go, hold on, Jesus, you are more important than meetings. You are more important than preaching. You are more important than writing books. You are more important. All of that is done because I love you and it's in a response because I'm thankful for you. But my doing comes because you love me, not to earn your love. So Lord, that's my final prayer for everyone here, that today they would feel closer to you than they felt before. It's a growing relationship. And may things never become stale, like, yeah, it used to be close, and it used to be this. And maybe there's someone today that they've felt a little stale. I'm asking, Lord, that you do something for them that would get their attention. Lord, I have a few moments in my life that were like, they're just wow God moments. Like, you can't take them away from me. I'll never forget, Lord, when I was standing at the altar one time, and I saw a picture of a sword in my hand, and I've never had that happen. And a gentleman walked up to me after service, and he goes, did you know you had a sword in your hand in worship? And Lord, no one can take that away from me. That was like, God sees me and he's real. So Lord, I'm asking for each person here to just have a moment where it's like, this is, no, this is real. God, God did this for me and it can't be taken from me. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and I don't even want the other, uh, the, the other junk. So I bless the people. I release life over them. I thank you that they're your sheep and they know your voice. They're always at the right place at the right time. Everything they touch prospers. 
they're quick to give you all the credit as you bring them up. So I bless the people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.